What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Well, it is hot. <laughs> well, it's humid. It's humid. It's yeah, it's humid. It's humid as an MFR out there. <laughs> it's hot and humid in Texas, let me tell you. Yeah, it's not it's not as bad as it normally is in Texas, and it's not as bad as some of the western and now eastern states um have had it and or are getting it. But it is still hot and humid. It's uh we're, you know, normally the actual temperature would be over 100 degrees Fahrenheit around this time of year. And right now our actual temperatures are ranging between like 97 and 99. But the feels like temperature with the humidity still puts it up into the 103 to 110 degree range. So it still sucks. Uh, I, I a lot of times would prefer a dry heat <laughs> than a yes. hot, humid ugh, heat. Yes, yes. Friday, Saturday, this next week, they're saying it's going to be about 101. So we're going to go over 100 Friday, Saturday of this, uh, well, of this week. Well, you know, so every year, normally, we have about anywhere from 20 to 40 straight days of 100 plus degree temperature in the middle of our summer dearth. And this year... All the hundred degree days combined, we're only at two or three for the whole year. That's all we've been. Mm-hmm. And those aren't consecutive; those are spread out. Like one of them was in June, and then the other two have been here a little bit more recently. But it is definitely not what we're used to, and that's okay. I'm not complaining on that aspect. As far as like it could be worse, I guess I should say. But it definitely this entire year has just played helter skelter with nature and the nectar flow and beekeeping. And there are places, you know, outside of central Texas where this wasn't necessarily the case. They may have had a way more plentiful year than they normally would. And there are places in central Texas that are kind of the same way where they're in little odd spots that did better than they normally do. But the other places that normally do well, didn't and i have uh i have completed and i know i talked to you about if you had any honey a couple episodes back or a few episodes back no yeah and you said you said you thought you had a few hives that had some but you have not harvested as of yet correct no haven't harvested anything as of yet no i got about three honey super eight frame that i'm gonna pull harvest that and that's pretty much it, I think, the way it looks. And, uh, you know, we'll get a little honey for us. That's all I use anyway. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just uh, been a weird year. End of story. And now they're saying that we're going to be like we were in February of this year. Next year, they're going to say colder and drier. So we'll find out. Well, who knows? The, the big thing with that, the Farmer's Almanac, indicates that we're supposed to have another January, February, like we did last year and, or this year, I guess I should say the year isn't over yet. Um, but it is, 
that's not cool because that was when we had the snowpocalypse and you know texas came to a stop Yep. so starting there (laughs) that's where everything went awry was right there um snowpocalypse happened we've talked about it obviously definitely whenever it was going on but then we talked about it afterwards and then the the rest of the year you know with the the changing climate and everything it has continued to be a bizarre year so it started off taking out a lot of plants that would have bloomed early in the year for us which would have got the colonies up and going and provided them with pollen provided them with nectar at an earlier stage so the colonies could start growing and preparing for the main flow Then a lot of trees that would have bloomed didn't bloom because now they had to spend all their energy regrowing limbs because most of all of the top limbs died out in the freeze. Now the main tree trunk didn't, so it's it's re-sprouting out of some of the thicker limbs. So that set things back. Well, then you get into the actual where we should be having the nectar flow. We go through a little bit of a dry spell, and then all of a sudden we start getting rain. And for us, if it works out well, like we can get a lot of rain in a very short amount of time, inches in a day (laughs) easily. (laughs) So when it rains, it pours basically down here. And this year it was a little bit different. Now, places like down around San Antonio, they did have a lot of flooding issues. But up here around Austin, we didn't have the flooding issues that we normally would have in our wet season in the spring. Instead, we had rain either every single day or every other day for almost two and a half months straight. Yep. It got cloudy. It was cloudy almost every day. It felt like it was always gloomy and then it would rain and then it would kind of start to look like it was going to clear out and dry up and then it would rain again. And because of that, you have that twofold problem depending on the type of flower and the arrangement of the flower and whether or not it can close or open. And if it's, facing upward or facing downward, a lot of the flowers get the nectar washed out of them. And it takes some time to regenerate that. Now, the upside is there's plenty of moisture out there for the plants and the flowers to grow and bloom. So that's a plus. But we need the dry spells in between the rain so that the flowers can regenerate the nectar and so the bees can actually get out of their colony to go visit those flowers. And if you can't do either of those two things, if you if, you, if there's no nectar to go get, that's a problem. And if you can't get out to go get nectar, if there was nectar to go get, that's a problem. So you've got this double fold issue going on. And that carried through the majority of what would have been our main nectar flow. And you all heard me talk about how I couldn't even get out to the backside of my apiary. I made it out there twice from the end of April through the middle of July I was able to make it to the back of that apiary on two occasions. The rest of the time, it was too wet to cross the quote unquote dry creek bed, the dry creek bed that was not a dry creek bed. Um, I couldn't get out there. So that right there was a a great indication of like how much moisture we were getting. Usually there's a little bit of a, a couple of week period where I can't do that, but it doesn't stretch on for months. And this year it did. So I have gone out and I have done the majority of all of my honey harvest and I've already processed the top bar and it boils down to, this is kind of an erroneous you know, thing in your head, but it boils down to on comb honey. I had one top bar that actually produced a ton 
of beautiful brand new white virgin comb and actually had it capped with honey. And, but it was just that one top bar that did it. So I took every bit of that comb that I could get out of there, cut it into sections, put them into large Tupperware containers, and then they went into the freezer. Now I say a ton because it came out of one top bar. Normally we would have multiple top bars that would have done this. And in this instance, I only ended up with six of these containers of cut comb. So any cut comb honey that I go to do this year for like putting the chunk comb honey in a jar kind of thing, there's only six containers worth of that cut comb that I can use. And that's substantially less than in prior years on liquid honey out of the top bars that were actually set up for honey production and big enough that they could have done it and or in a large enough colony, not in like a a splitter colony or a breeder colony type size, but in a full size top bar that was about four foot long or 40, 44 inches esque. There ended up only being, well, let me rephrase that. We had a potential to have had roughly 560 pounds of honey, liquid honey, out of the top bars that were set up to do honey production. Actual honey amount from those top bars could have been 560 is only 132 pounds. Wow. Now, if you take in all of the langs that were set up and had multiple boxes on them, they weren't just a single box or a nuke. If you take all of the ones that actually had additional boxes on them and were ready for honey production, there could have been a total possible 1,660 pounds of honey. I am pretty sure based on everything that I pulled from that, that there's maybe, maybe a sixth of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking I will be, yeah, I'm thinking I will be lucky if I get 300 pounds of honey out of what I have pulled and, and brought in from the Langstroths, which means altogether I'm under 500 pounds and I should have been over 2000 pounds. So it's absolutely frustrating. And just to, to go through and highlight how they have like what's going on right now, there is nectar still, we should be in our dearth. And there is still nectar available. So as I went through and checked all the colonies, all of them still have open, fresh liquid in the comb. And a lot of that liquid is still very new. And, you know, if you turn it upside down and shake it, the liquid comes out, which means it's very fresh. It hasn't been dehydrated. It's not really sticking in the walls of the cells yet. So there's still nectar out there and there's been nectar available for them all season but it's been a slow trickle. So instead of ramping up like it normally does and having this really heavy flow that peaks in like mid May and goes all the way through June, we've had a tiny trickle go throughout the entire season and it's still going. So the colonies are still alive. They're still able to do what they need to do, but there is not the abundance that there should have been. And I had, I had two colonies that ultimately were set up to just, knock it out of the park. I did a two queen system on two different colonies where we had a queen in the bottom box with a queen excluder and then multiple boxes in between them for honey supers. And then a queen in the top box with a queen excluder separating her from all the supers in between both of those colonies, absolutely monstrous in size. 
tons of bees in there. And yet when I went and pulled those honey supers off, maybe, so I, I think on the biggest one, there were six total honey supers in between there. Three of them are completely full. The rest of them are partial. Like there'll be half a frame of capped food here and then there'll be a full frame over here and then maybe a quarter frame here. It's just very spotty. It was very strange. And none of the colonies that were set up for honey production this year, none of them had to draw their own wax. All of them were provided with already drawn comb that just needed to be filled, dehydrated, and capped. And still, I am operating on a sixth of what I would normally get out of those specific wow. colonies. Don't tell me, don't ask me what went on. We're about the same way up here. Maybe we're even worse because we don't have any, anything that's making nectar up here right now. I'm, I'm feeding my packages and my swarms, you know, and my small colonies. I'm feeding them right now. In fact, that's one of the things I was going to ask you. Should I start feeding some pollen to them? Uh, so down here, they're not taking pollen. I did put some out about two weeks ago just to see, and it's still untouched. And there was not a single bee when I was out there around there this, the, well, actually either weekend, because the last two weekends we've been out pulling honey. So the there's, yeah, on in my area, but that's my area. The only way to know if your area is different is to put it out and try and see. Okay. But I've still got bees bringing in nectar and pollen. And there's a ground cover out there at the main apiary that makes these tiny little clusters. Uh, it looks like a single flower where it'd have a dark center and then a ring of, of petals around the outside, but it's tiny. Mm -hmm. And when you get down and you look at it, it's actually that ring of petals is a ring of flowers. And the dark cluster in the center is other flowers that haven't opened yet. And they're, they're this little bitty little very very thick ground cover that kind of spreads out through everything. So that's blooming at the moment. There is uh, something that looks like the Mexican petunia, but it's not, um, but it has that same shaped purple flower to it. There's a small version of that out there that's blooming. And that's it. Other than like up at the farmhouse, they, they've still got uh, crepe myrtles blooming, which bloom all the time. And the bees yeah. can get nectar and pollen from that, but it's, it's a sub, you know, kind of sub quality pollen and nectar. So, but those things are, are going now, as far as like future predictions, fingers crossed, I can go through and extract the honey out of, out of the comb that I've got right now, maybe put it back out there and hope that there is a fall flow that is far superior to the spring flow. Now, last year's fall flow was absolutely phenomenal but I normally don't get a big enough fall flow to try to harvest it. It's usually just enough to make the bees perfectly prepared for winter. Last year, it was so much that the bees were literally like overflowing and the top bars like rebuilt comb and maxed out all their space. And I would, I, that's not normal. So if that happens again this year, I am prepared to put all the extra supers back out there and see if maybe we can compensate some of the loss from the early main flow from the fall flow and kind of offset that. But I don't know. But here in town, I have goldenrod that is seriously pushing 10 foot tall. Wow. It is multiple feet over the top of my fence. And I have never seen goldenrod that tall, but all of it 
out there in the wildflower area in the backyard is just mammoth. It's huge. Now out at the farm, the tallest at the farm is about shoulder height. So maybe four foot ish. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's about half the size of what we've got here in town at the moment, but it's out there and there's tons of the wild sunflower out there, which had both native bees and honeybees all over it. So that's where the main sources of my nectar and, and pollen are coming from at the moment is this ground cover and uh, the sunflowers. But I'm not sure if the goldenrod at the farm is going to do like it did last year and if it does that, and then the false willow also blooms at the same time, which the false willow, I did see buds on it. So it's getting close to where it'll open up and bloom. But if those two things do like they did last year and they sync up and they have a nice long extended flow, that would be amazing. But there's some years the goldenrod blooms and then basically rusts and dies out in about a week and a half. And that will suck because that's the, well, they barely got something. Now you got to feed them. And now they're saying, well, we got a chance of rain today, tomorrow, basically pretty much a chance all week. And, uh, and then we got something else coming in, uh, for the weekend. We got like, uh, maybe Thursday, we got a 30% chance. And then we possibly could have a tropical storm hitting the Gulf and, who knows what the hell happens? It's I'm, I'm sitting there looking. I says, "Yeah, this setting up." So, yeah, I keep all the nectar washed out. <laughs> or or just prevent the bees from being able to get out. Yeah. You know, I mean, it it really just depends. Yeah. But I would say though that if you're having to feed, you probably need to go ahead and harvest whatever honey you've got. Get it harvested. Yeah. Get the extra boxes off of there and start feeding all your colonies if they need the food. Now, obviously you're going to have to go and and do your inspections and see who needs food and who doesn't, because at the moment after doing my harvest, the plus side is that a lot of the colonies did not have enough honey for me to harvest, but they had honey for themselves. So there's that at least it wasn't like they were out the deep boxes on the Langstroth's they had several deep frames of capped honey down in there with their brood nest on either side of it. And then they had a few frames of capped honey and several frames of open nectar in the medium above them. But the mediums above that, a lot of them didn't even get touched or they were just kind of spotty. There was several boxes that I had to go through and actually like take four boxes down, sort through all of them and come up with a single box of solid capped honey and a single box of open nectar and gave them the box of open nectar back and took the box of capped honey and then mm-hmm. took two boxes of just empty comb off of those colonies. And that was the way that a lot of it worked. It, it literally was like every fourth to six box I came across was valid to take and the rest were spotty open or empty. And it's uh, there, there's some honey woes <laughs> this year oh, yeah. harvest oh. woes. So yeah, you yeah. should, uh, you should get yours harvested, whatever is available to harvest, get it done. And at the very least, get it pulled, you know, go get those boxes off the tops of them. And then that way, as you're doing that, go ahead, do a little inspection and see what it looks like. And if their deep box is pretty light and it doesn't have a lot of food in it, then go ahead and start feeding everybody. Yeah. My brother, you know, he, he's helping me now and, and he loves to, he catches swarms and then feeds hell out of them. Well, he caught a swarm this year 
and he's been feeding them hard. I mean, he feeds them two quarts a, a week. I'm saying, Kelvin, that's a little bit much. Yeah, but they they had five frames of brood the other day when I opened it up. I'm sitting there, damn, that's going to be a hell of a colony of bees. And it is a hell of a colony of mean bees because they were feral. And they still are. I said, well, we're going to have to take them somewhere. You can't keep them in your neighborhood. <laughs> Somebody drive by on a on a golf cart or something, they're going to be jumped on. He says, yeah, I've been thinking that too. So, but, uh, yeah, the, the feeding aspect of that. So way back in season one, which seems like it was eons ago, when we talk about feeding, you can feed a colony one quart at a time up to two quarts a week based on how much they take. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it goes back to the, checking the colony and seeing what they're doing. But if you feed them a quart on Saturday or Sunday, you go back and you check on Wednesday, the quart is gone. You look inside the colony and all the cells are empty and dry, feed them another quart. But if you look and all the cells are wet, then all they did is pull that out of its jar and put it into the cells. So that's how you distinguish. Do you stop at one or do you go ahead and give them the second one? And he... He's, he's already putting another deep box on top of the deep box he has these bees in. He says, there's just too many bees in there. I got to put another box up there. I'm sitting there, okay, they'll just fill it. They'll have plenty to eat. <laughs> they'll just Why is he doing up. double deeps? Because that's what he's got. I gave him mediums full of comb, and he, I don't know. He says, there's just too many bees in there. I got to get, I says, too many bees in a deep eight frame is about 50,000. <laughs> no, there's not too many bees in there yet. I says, but he, oh, they're going to swarm on me. I said, well, whatever. Do what you want to <laughs> do. So he's done put a, he's done put another medium. I mean, another deep on top of that. So he makes those. So he makes his boxes and his frames and everything else. So I just let him play. I use I get huh? the bees after he he plays with them after they sting him a few times, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And I have got all of Max's bees. I sent you the picture of the one hive, uh, the colony that's up on the tripod, the deer blind. And yeah, about where they were bearding. Fourteen. Yeah, they were bearding. They went all went back in since it cooled off, but. Uh, uh, we got to get that one down now and I got to go into it and see what's going on. Then I find out it's in a 10 frame box, but there's only three or four frames of, of, uh, comb in there and, uh, you know, frames in there. I'm sitting there. Oh no, we're going to have to cut the hell out of that one because they've been in there a while. And, uh, I said, yeah, that's going to be a, be a, a chore, but. Oh, well, we'll do it. I've got two five frame nukes and I'm feeding those and see why I haven't opened them up yet. He, he opened them. I don't know. It's been a while back. And, uh, so I put feeders on them, start feeding them and I'll open them, uh, probably this next week if it's not raining and go from there. Well, Hopefully, everybody out there listening, if you were set up in a position where you got 
had the ability to potentially get a honey harvest. Hopefully you did get something at the very least enough to supply yourself so that you can have a jar or two of your honey for this year and, you know, get some sort of reward from all of your hard work. Uh, Ken, hopefully when you get out there and get yours pulled, you will, you will have enough for yourself and your family there. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what the honey show is going to look like this year. I think that'll be interesting because I, like, even if I wanted to submit in some of the categories, I don't have anything to put in there because there wasn't any, like, I don't have any of my, I'm I'm not going to use any of my cut comb honey that's going to go in the chunk comb jars for that but it's too valuable as a retail source to, to do that. So, and then the honey that I got out of the top bars, I'm not thrilled with the flavor of it. So I'm not going to put it into the honey show to be judged because I'm not even liking it that much. Um, I don't know what the Langstroth's is going to be like, but fingers crossed it's different. (laughs) And, um, I had no Ross rounds this year and no half hogs, which are the square plastic boxes. Um, I did have a gentleman, donate their hive over so that uh, we could take care of them. Cause they were, they were one of the ones we talked about where they got too mean and uh, they needed to go out to the farm, but they had some of those, the half hog square shells where they only draw one side instead of both sides. Uh, it, it's just like the Ross round, but instead of drawing it yeah. in like a front and back, they mm-hmm. start against the back wall and draw out. So it's only one sided, but it's in a square plastic shell that you can then put a lid on and they only drew out literally the center of each of those frames and not even all the way full. It was just like a half dome. None of it was capped. Only a little bit of it had some, some open liquid in it. So, yeah. So I, I don't know. The honey show could be, uh, it could be easy to win this year for somebody if you have stuff to put in there. Cause you may not have a lot of competition. I don't know. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, you know, just saying, might be worth entering if you've got something, but I don't know that I'll enter this year. Cause I don't know. I have anything that, um, that I think would be good enough to put in there, let alone enough to spare to put in there. So who knows on that part, but anyhow, hopefully your harvest, once you get it done, you get some there for yeah. you guys. And hopefully everybody else out there is doing well. And, uh, we will, we'll wrap this up for the week and talk to everybody next week. Yeah, oh, next week, Emily. oh, next yeah. week is uh tara chapman will be joining us to talk about crystallized honey and yeah two hives honey she's going to be here to talk about crystallized honey and explain how the process works and all the nuances that go along with crystallized honey and that will be very fascinating so tune in for that now you can wrap it up on uh, on the no you got me wanting to ask questions on the you have to have it crystallized to make the honey the creamed honey, right? Sort of. That's yeah. But creamed honey is a completely different process where you're, you're making it crystallized, but you're making it crystallized at a specific size, texture and structure, and you're whipping air into it and doing other things. But yeah, she'll, she'll talk about the, like I said, the nuances of how honey crystallizes and how you can use that to your advantage. Um, what it means, all that fun stuff. Sound like a winner. You ready to wrap it up? <laughs> and uh, I got my question now family y'all be good thank y'all so very much for tuning in family we'll be talking to you again keep everybody healthy it's getting crazy out there y'all stay healthy so y'all be good family it's time for our guys to buzz off but don't fret the hive jive journey continues with new episodes mondays every month until then you can follow along with the guys on facebook and instagram at the hive jive 
Thanks for listening and be safe out there. <laughs>